Hey there, Playbook listeners. It's Raghun Winovalin. Two big things we're watching on Thursday, January 12th. Per 538, President Joe Biden's average approval rating is now 44.1%. It's the highest it's been since October 2021. And by way of NBC News, Biden aides find second batch of classified documents a new location. Carol Lee and Kendallinian Wright, since November, after the discovery of documents with classified markings in his former office, Biden aides have been searching for any additional classified materials that might be in other locations he used, said the source, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to provide details about the ongoing inquiry. The classification level, number, and precise location of the additional documents was not immediately clear. It also was not immediately clear when the additional documents were discovered and if the search for any other classified materials Biden may have from the Obama administration is complete. January is a time of new beginnings in Washington. There's a new Congress, a new Republican-led House, a new Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, new investigations into Biden by GOP-helmed committees. And now, in light of all of the above, there's a new effort from the White House to go on offense against Republicans like never before. Like so many Washington trends these days, it started with a tweet. The very online White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain wrote in a Monday afternoon tweet, it's a giant tax cut for rich tax cheats. Bill number one from the new House GOP. Later that evening, Vice President Kamala Harris echoed the sentiment, accusing House Republicans rushing to allow too many millionaires, billionaires, and corporations to cheat the system. On its face, those messages can seem fairly run-of-the-mill, but a closer look reveals the change at hand, one informed by a few key calculations. For more on that, here's Deputy Editor Zach Stanton and Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. This is the first official week of of, um, House Republicans being in charge. I think last week probably doesn't count, um, considering they didn't have a House speaker rules or anything. Um, And so this is the first time that we have been able to pay attention to what does it look like when the the Biden White House um, only has one chamber of Congress? What are the ways in which they engage? How do they talk about the things that they should be doing? Are they on defense? Are they on offense? And what we realized um, is that they had started to go on offense a lot more. You know, this was a White House that when they walked in, um, they were really clear about kind of wanting to heal America and bring civility back. And um, I think one of the things that they ended up realizing over the last two years is that you can want to do that, but you can't want it all by yourself. And I think um, they have had to kind of change the way um, that they talk. You saw President Biden, obviously, during the run-up to the midterms, talk about MAGA Republicans. Um, but now you're seeing them talk about actual policies that Republicans have promised to do and now have the power to actually pass in the House. They won't go anywhere because they're not going to go get anywhere in the Democratic-held right. Senate. The, President Biden is not going to sign them. But it does provide um, the Biden White House with examples, concrete examples for the American people to say, hey, this thing that we were telling you that's theoretical, it is reality now. You know, in the run up to the midterms and and throughout his first two years in the White House, uh, President Biden, you know, he would call out Republicans on issues where he disagreed with them. But uh, sort of given the approach that he was taking with things like the bipartisan infrastructure uh, framework and 
other legislative priorities that there was a reluctance to sort of you know, uh, have his foot all the way down on the gas pedal in terms of framing Republicans as the enemy. <laughs> um, but it sounds like what you're saying is that those days are are kind of over at this point. I think we're seeing the beginning of those days being over, right? You have, um, you know, President Biden last year and, and the year before that really talked about and leaned on bipartisanship, right? Saying to the American people, saying to people in Washington, D.C., you know, we can get back to those old days when we like kind of hated each other, but worked together mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, you know, passed legislation. And so like, let's figure this whole thing out. Um, you know, they had some bipartisan wins that frankly, we in the media didn't think they were going to do, right? We were a little, we were, we were probably a little bit more cynical about how it was going to play out. You know, the infrastructure bill is a really good example the um, gun safety legislation is another good example. But the infrastructure one is what the White House always brings up. They talk about it as something that both Democrats and Republicans promised. President Biden came in and he worked with Republicans and Democrats to get it done. And they say he can do that, get these bills done, um, while at the same time calling out Republicans and and talking about how he believes sections of the Republican Party, um, you know, led by Donald Trump, um, are dangerous for the country and that he can do all of those things at one time. It's really difficult to do that when you also have to actually pass the legislation, right? It's a it's a harder um, needle to thread. But now they kind of don't need to, right? The legislation right. is basically, like, it's basically over, right? Like, the, the types of things that they actually are going to get done are probably, you know, they're more things like the debt ceiling, things that like you kind of just have to keep government open. Um, are they going to find places in which um, they can actually tackle big issues that affect Americans' lives? That is still to be seen. I don't know that a lot of people feel very confident about that, right. either in the White House or on Capitol Hill or on K Street or at, literally just like anywhere. <laughs> they're just not right. feeling that excitement for it. Um and so I think that is something that um, kind of unleashes the Biden White House to be able to say, to make a much clearer contrast for the American people. Because even though they're saying they're willing to work with Republicans on some of these things, there's no benefit for Republicans, this Republican Party, and especially in the House, to work with Biden and and work with House Democrats and to give them a win as we go into another election cycle and this time for the presidency. So what was the sign that sort of tipped you off that there's this new uh, offensive approach, offensive in the sense of being on offense, not in terms of offending people, but like what, what, what what was the sign that this was the case to you this week? I guess it depends on who you ask whether it's offensive or offensive. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> I think, you know, like most things um, nowadays, it, it began with a tweet. <laughs> um, you know, Ron Klain, he's um, our very online White House chief of staff here in the United States. He is always tweeting and, and he is constantly talking about in engaging in in the discourse, often he's you know talking about the um, Biden White House wins, like how, you know countering the um, the the conventional narrative that's happening. But what he did on Monday was write, um, "It's a giant tax cut for rich tax cheats." Bill number one from the new House GOP quote tweeting. 
um, a story that, about the CBO and what the um, the Congressional Budget Office had kind of scored um, and said about the first bill that House Republicans were were looking to pass. And so that was one thing. And I was like, well, that, we were all like, oh, that's a little weird. Um, and then later that evening, we get an email from the White House um, that, you know, was a statement from Vice President Kamala Harris on House Republicans' first bill being a giveaway to rich tax cheats at the expense of the middle class. And I was like, oh, well, something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, some, there's some coordination there, I say. And all the while, President Biden is in uh, Mexico you know, talking to and being, you know, being part of the Three Amigos. And so what that told us is that the messages were coordinated. They have been talking about this. This tweet wasn't just kind of a a one-off. And, you know, so we started asking folks in the White House, are you, is this, do you guys feel freer? Is it something, should we take something from these things? Because we're starting to. And I think they agreed, you know, they, they, Biden allies talked about, now having Republicans in power, they feel more urgency to actually be more on the offensive, um, to be more out front, to to call out House Republicans. It is obviously beneficial politically because of what because we're you know we're in a heading into a presidential cycle and Biden seems like he is going to throw his hat in hat in the ring and be the incumbent for Democrats. But also they feel like it's important for the country and and that you know the the country should see these things and it's important to point the finger at um your your opposition especially we don't have a lot of power to stop them from doing what they want to do in the house right republicans kind of can do whatever they want and so it's going to play out over and over and over again, right? We're going to keep hearing MAGA Republicans, but we're also going to keep seeing um, Ron Klain or Andrew Bates, who's one of the <laughs> deputy press secretaries at the White House, who, you know, is is kind of an attack dog in a sense, you know, tweeting um, a lot. He sends out these emails. There's no regular cadence to them, but they happen quite a bit where they you... He, he, the, he reporter notes, basically, is what they call them. And it sends out all these things about what Republicans should have done and didn't do and said. And it is clear from this White House that they feel like they're in a different status of, of, of this presidency, right? Um, and, you know, for those of us that cover politics, it's, it's a really interesting time. And very confusing also because, you know... <laughs> There's also a lot of chaos. Well, that that seems to be more or less a constant. Um, but, but I'll expect the chaos to only. <laughs> are you saying? Are you saying? Are you saying the chaos may not be a bug? It might just be like a feature. It is. Of it is a feature at this, this point. Though, though, perhaps a, fe- <laughs> a feature, but not a selling point. Um, but uh, but yes, that's cer- true. certainly one that uh, we can expect more of here as we uh, get closer and closer to the 2024 cycle. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 10 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will deliver remarks on the economy and inflation. At 10.40, Biden will depart the White House to head to the Washington National Cathedral. There, he'll attend a memorial service for former Defense Secretary Ash Carter and deliver remarks. Here's what's on the vice president's calendar at 11.05 a.m. Vice President Kamala Harris will depart D.C. to head to Ann Arbor, Michigan. 
There, she'll participate in a conversation on climate action with Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and University of Michigan Professor Kyle White. The House will meet at 9 a.m. to consider the Protecting America's Strategic Petroleum Reserve from China Act, with first and last votes expected at 10.20 a.m. The Senate is out today. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Manavalan. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning.